science fiction, gender-selective viruses, and spies. Oh my. All this and more coming up on this episode of Lasers and Lockets, the podcast all about strong and complex female characters in science fiction and fantasy entertainment. This is episode 30. Let's go ahead and dance to the theme right about now. Welcome back to the show. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Lee. Before we dive into the main show, though, here's your triptych of random and nerdy news. News. You may have noticed that we haven't had an episode for about a month. I've been on holiday, and I needed some time to really recharge and relax and stretch my creative muscles so that I could come back to this refreshed and excited to do it. I'm excited to be back, and I've been doing some neat things behind the scenes. As part of the show, after this month-long hiatus, I'd like to begin doing episodes every couple of months, in addition to our normal schedule, called Lasers and Lockets Reads. I'm in the process of working out how I want that to look, but I'm also adding a new section to the website that's going to include reviews of great science fiction and fantasy books that I've read or I'm currently reading. As you likely know, I have been a huge fan of books and reading is a huge part of my world. So I'm hoping um, to even eventually branch out and have a Lasers and Lockets book club too, if anyone would be interested. If you are interested in being a part of the club, I'm going to leave a form in the Lee Reads section of the website. In nerdy news, Buffy and Angel Comics by Boom Studios will begin a Hellmouth event starting with issue 8. This event will tell the story of how Buffy and Angel meet for the first time, which we all sort of know if we've seen the series, but I'm excited to see it in comic form as well. If you'd like to read the preview, I'll leave the link in the show notes. Lastly, Sci-Fi Wire did a great article about H1 Universe's black female superhero comics, drawn by artist Aletha Martinez. The characters are different by design. They don't wear capes or shoot lasers from their eyes. In fact, most of them don't have any superhero-like powers that you would typically imagine. They're already incredibly intelligent, strong black women who wake up with genius-level powers. I'm really intrigued to read them, and I'll leave the link to the article in the show notes as well. On with the show! Tonight's episode came because I finished this book about a month ago, and I haven't gone a day without thinking about it, so I knew I wanted to record an episode. I have lots of feels about this book. Did you guess what it was from the episode clues? No? Yeah, this is an old book. Okay, it's not really as old as Sir Arthur Conan Doyle or any of those types of books, but it was this particular author's first book, I believe. The book is called Ammonite, and it is by British-American author Nicola Griffith. You may be more familiar with this author's other books, such as Hild. Ammonite was published in 1992. Nicola Griffith is a talented author. Her books are rich with detail, immersive, powerful, and thought-provoking. Ammonite is no different, even though it was her first published novel. Usually, First books can be a bit clunky, 
but I did not feel that way about Ammonite at all. As far as interesting tidbits about the author, Nicola Griffith, as I mentioned before, is a British-American author. She was also diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, or MS, in 1993. Her novels often contain themes of transcending bodily limitations and powerful women. Let's go ahead and explore the world created in Ammonite. The book follows the adventures of Marguerite Taishan, an employee of a government organization called the SEC, or Settlement and Education Council. She is sent down to the planet affectionately, or not so affectionately, called Jeep. A long time ago, like centuries before, Jeep was colonized by Earth humans. The planet is targeted by an evil corporation now, often referred to as just the company, to be recolonized so that they can harvest the resources of the planet. In preparation for colonization, they sent down a military group called Mirrors. You'll notice that they are called Mirrors because of the helmets that they wear. Um, as well as technical people to scout out the planet. But then, all of the men, and a lot of the women, are wiped out by a mysterious virus that long ago wiped out all of the male population of the planet when the initial colonization occurred. Yes, you heard me correctly. A virus wiped out the entire population of men on the planet. It is a planet of women! The planet has been quarantined until a cure or vaccine for the virus is found. The virus, we learn, alters the lives forever of those who survive it. We'll explore that a little bit more on in the, later on in the episode, but I don't want to give too much away, so you have a lot to explore when you read the book. Anyway, Margie. Side note, I have no idea how to pronounce any of the names in this book, so this should be fun. Uh, Margie is sent down to the planet after being... Uh, given a round of an experimental vaccine. If the vaccine works, it has the possibility of opening the planet up to colonization and may allow the people on the planet to go home finally. Once Margie lands, she's welcomed into a walled-off colony full of mirrors and other sciency type people. Almost immediately, she becomes obsessed with finding some variety of the specific colony members who have gone missing and trying to discover the mysteries of the planet. She seems to feel very out of place. Danner, the commander of the colony, allows Margie to head out super close to winter on the planet in search of those missing coloni colonists. Is that what you say the word is? Colonists? Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, and also to explore the native tribes. And I use the word native throughout this podcast, meaning the descendants of the original colonists. They are the native population of the planet. The tribes are quite primitive, some of them. Um, and it's interesting because Margie is captured almost immediately by a tribe of natives. The tribe that she's captured by is definitely primitive and violent. But Margie becomes embroiled in their world and questions who she really is and what it is she exactly wants to do here. Perhaps more importantly, what she wants to be a part of. The planet of Jeep is largely a change or die type of situation. And that is, to me, 
the main theme or, or driving force that the author is trying to demonstrate throughout the book. Let's explore this theme through the main characters you adventure through the world with. Margie or Margaret, Marguerite um, is the catalyst for us to dive into the many different types of women who live on the planet. But Hannah Danner, Thanike, and Aoife, uh, as well as Euathne, I have no idea how to pronounce that one, or the supposed death spirit, I should say. All of these women demonstrate this theme throughout the novel. Margie is an interesting character to introduce the world to us as readers. The vast majority of the novel follows her as she makes Jeep accessible to us so that we can see and feel and understand the world. At the beginning, she's so focused on observing the native population and hoping desperately that the vaccine she was given works so that she gets to leave the planet at some point in the future. She wants to stay separated and different from them. Perhaps because she doesn't like to get close to anyone. Perhaps because she has always been taught to observe others and stay away. But as the book progresses, she realizes that in order to truly understand who she really is and who she wants to become, she must change not only her perspective, but she needs to walk in their shoes, if we're sharing cliches. It made me think about all of the ways in which I separate myself from understanding people who are different from me. I think it's human nature to be afraid of the unknown and resist exploring beliefs or thoughts that could change who we are on a fundamental level. Margie is a scientist first and foremost. She has a curious mind and a thirst for truth. Even when Margie is captured by Aoife and Euathne's tribe, the Ashrade, as they're called, she tries to learn from them while remaining just an observant party, not truly a part of the tribe. The Ashrade are a brutal tribe who refuse to embrace any sort of change. If they don't understand something, they don't want to explore it at all. They just want to destroy it. Euathne is the embodiment of this. She has gone so far as to believe that she is is the death spirit sent to destroy the world and bring up a new generation, basically. Aoife is Euathne's Soestra. Side note. Soestra are conceived by women who choose to, quote, deep search at the same time. It's a whole concept you'll have to explore in the book more. Um, it's one of the more sort of out there science fiction-y types of situations in the book. It's super interesting. Anywho, Aoife is the one who captures Margie and takes her back to the Ashrade camp. While she appears to be quite a bit softer than Euathne, Aoife is almost as um, resistant to change as the rest of her tribe, but she can be pretty unpredictable. She's a strong and stoic woman who, in spite of her upbringing, tries to show some compassion to Margie. She saves her life several times and provides a place for her in her tent. Margie has complex feelings for a for Aoife, um, mostly because while she does protect her, she is also her jailer. Aoife still follows Euathne, even if she doesn't always agree with her. From what I could gather, 
Aoife does understand that a change is needed. However, she doesn't quite know what to do. Of anyone in her tribe, she is the one who has a chance to push her people to change and grow. See, the insular nature of her tribe and their complete lack of trust in the outside world means that their tribe is dying off. Their children are sick and lack basic medical care. Their inability to trade or open their borders to other tribes keeps them from learning new things. They've become trapped in their own collective incorrect beliefs. Margie is a strong woman, though. She refuses to die with the Ashrade, and when a perfect opportunity to escape presents itself, she takes it and runs for her life. She's not only strong in body, but also in spirit. The experiences she endures when trying to make it to a different tribe demonstrates her inner strength. I think most anyone else who endured something similar to her may not have survived. Thinike is introduced to us when Margie is taken in by her tribe after she escapes. Unlike Aoife and the Ashraid, Thinike is open to learning about new things and exploring the world around her. And to run off on one of my tangents, I think this, is, this exploration of different types of women is what Nicola Griffith does so well in this novel. She demonstrates so wonderfully the humanity of women and the complexity and diversity of them. She approaches it in a feminist way that I really appreciate because it's not a man-hating direction that always makes me feel uncomfortable. It's more in a way that shows that women are still human, whether you take away their male counterpart or not. It demonstrates that they do not become this weird insular group of insect-like creatures or um, the, they're all this homogenous type of person. It demonstrates that women are still human and do not cease to be incredibly strong and interesting and complex in the absence of their male counterparts. Back to Thinike, though, now. She is this beautiful soul who carries stories from one place to another. The tribes around the world love when she comes because she brings stories and songs from other places and shares them. She also shares the news from around the world and carries notes and messages from tribe to tribe. She's an incredibly patient character who helps Margie to explore her nature and who she truly wants to be. She is kind and compassionate and never weak. She's exactly who Margie needed at the time to decide that she needed to change in order to survive. The vaccine she had been taking was making her weak, and Thinike showed that the virus was not really the curse she was taught it it was when she was up in orbit around the planet. Thinike teaches Margie to follow her intuition, which is something that I believe women are much more in touch with. Thinike is used to is also used to settling disputes, and by nature of who she is, she's a peacemaker. Out of all of the characters in the novel, I found her to be the most interesting and probably my favorite one. Hannah Danner is also a very interesting character because she shows the readers a look at the world from inside an insular colony of people who believe that they are better than the native population. 
She is, by default, the leader of the colony, since all of the senior male officers died with the virus. I think she has a bit of imposter syndrome, but you get to explore with her as she attempts to overcome those feelings. She also appears to be trying to get by until the company finds a vaccine and lets them leave the planet. She's tired and stressed, but she keeps going. Not that men don't do that, because I know that they do, but it does seem to be a more common trait in many women I associate with on a daily basis. The um, ability to be tired and overwhelmed, but keep going anyway. Danner comes to realize, though, that in order for all of them to survive, they need to take down the walls, literally and metaphorically, and change and adapt to the world around them. She is the right kind of person to lead her own little tribe in the right direction to be successful and survive. She's clever and intelligent. She has the strength to do the right thing, and she will do it, even if it seems impossible. I often saw traits of Captain Janeway from Star Trek Voyager in Danner. I imagined that it was a bit lonely at the top for Danner, because she doesn't really believe she has the luxury of forming relationships and being vulnerable. I think the moment she realizes that they were, spoiler alert, going to be abandoned on the planet for good... That's not a huge plot point, though. Um, Her walls start to come down and she begins to adapt to what needs to be done uh, in order for her to survive and her people. There is so much more to explore about this incredibly rich world of Ammonite, but I'll leave that to you to dive into. I dare say this book is now on my top 10 list of favorite standalone science fiction novels. If you want to explore the idea of what if you lived on a planet of only women? Or just what if? I highly recommend it. This brings us to the question of the episode, gentle listener. If you were a space traveler and there was a 100% chance that you'd get a virus that would enhance your senses and make it so that you could converse with ancestors, but a possibility it could also kill you, Would you take the vaccine that you'd have to take for the rest of your life, or would you risk getting the virus? Share your answer over on our Twitter, at LasersLockets, or on our Discord. The link is in the show notes. You can also find us on Facebook. I can't wait to hear your reasoning behind that question. That's it for this episode of Lasers and Lockets. We'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, hop on a sled and join Margie and Thanike as they carry stories from ocean to ocean, or join Danner as she forges a new path for her people. Get your nerd on and be awesome. All right.